I believe Braden has our special this morning. Awesome, all the 
young people, even in three weeks, have grown. And uh, my goodness, it just seems like everybody's, all the young folks are shooting up, uh, going higher and higher and getting up taller. Uh, before, matter of fact, you can go ahead and open your Bible this morning to First Kings. And of course, if you picked up a bulletin, you uh, kind of have the skeleton outline there. Uh, before we read, uh, just share, you know, we just had several little obstacles, engine failure, negotiations on trying to get a, a haul or a tow back to uh, the Philippines. We were in the southernmost part of the Philippines that's still owned by the country of the Philippines. Balut Island is the southernmost tip. It's basically northern Indonesia. We did battle a lot of things. One of the other things that we battled while we were there uh, was a little nuisance. We were we, there. Nice pier at this island. This island's not very big. It's probably as big as from as long as from here to Hamburg. That's the entire length of the island. There's a big active volcano uh, there. It's a Cebuano word means uh, smoky or fumy and uh, has coming out of it, and it was always obscured by smoke whenever I looked up at it. Uh, it was always raining every night there, so I was really wanting, there was no air conditioning on the boat, so we were, it's kind of like camping out. You know, basically, instead of a tent, you're camping on a boat. And, uh, and many times, we didn't have the generator to run the, the pressure thing, so we had to take showers by what we call dip and pour. We had a bucket of fresh water, and you pour it over your head and lather up, and then you rinse it off with a bucket like that. And so just basically like camping there. Karen looked up on the, the pier there. The boat is, you don't just run this thing like a John boat up on the shore because it's big 65 feet long, 40 tons. And so uh, it's, we're about 12 feet out of the water, off the bank, excuse me, off the pier. And then there's a plank to walk over to the steps of the rocks. Karen noticed these big old uh, wharf rats running around, about as big as a small cat. You'd see them on the rocks every now and then. And, of course, I knew that they loved to swim out to an anchor rope and crawl up the anchor rope onto boats and see if they can find anything, especially at night. Well, it's raining, and so I'm not able to sleep where the most air and the breeze is up on top of the boat or the deck of the boat. You can take your mattress and drag it up there with a pillow and sleep out where there's a breeze blowing. And it was great if there was a, if it wasn't raining. And so we're all sleeping in the kitchen and the, uh, the galley area, which is a lot smaller than this stage. And there was 12 of us laying like cordwood. Just in, and the back of the boat is here, and there's two double doors, and I'm laying there, and then Karen's laying there, and Nene's laying there, and John, her husband's laying there, and Pastor Randy's laying there, Pastor June's laying there, Pastor Manny's laying there, his wife Pinky's laying there. So we're just all laying there, and then, uh, <clears throat> Glenn and his wife had a, a spot, and then the, the crew had their, uh, the cabin where they stayed, but this was the best area when it was raining to sleep. So we just all had one night. Nene was just hugging on Karen, and and uh, during the middle of the night, thought it was John, and uh, and Karen's like, John's the other way, and uh, so so she rolled back over to her husband and started hugging on John instead of Karen. I said, Well, I'm 
Karen, I'm just glad you were on that side of her. And uh, so, anyway, so I'm right by the door. And uh, anyway, in the middle of the night, and it was dark, all of a sudden, I felt something coming across the legs there. And I could tell by the weight of it, it wasn't a cat. And it stopped on this knee and, and uh, said, it was pretty heavy. So I said, hmm, it's not a small one. It's one of them big old wharf rats. And so I'm, well, and I had the sheet laying about my waist because I like something laying on, at least on my legs and just a habit, I guess. So anyway, I slid my hands down up under the sheet. I felt that thing moving around trying to figure out which way to go. And I slid my hand up under that rat and I went, Ugh! and out the door and I heard the splash in the ocean. I told Karen about it after we left. She said, why didn't you tell me? Well, the next morning, I said, are you crazy? I said, you would not have slept another wink. Probably had stood up the rest of the time for the 72 hours that we were there. But uh, anyway, that was uh, another incidental obstacle. Uh, But no problem, no problem. I've run off possums and squirrels and coons. We all have, haven't we? Uh, So no different. And we can run 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 other critters off. Also, another thing uh, that I did not uh, mention earlier was while we were there, right? At, we got there on a, a Friday, and uh, we had all day Saturday to catch up. Sunday with Ravel and all that. We had the conference beginning Monday, and another preacher and his deacon came in, Pastor Bob Spears of uh, Mission Home Missionary Baptist Church in Weewoka, Oklahoma, and his deacon, Dan Hauser, and his his deacon, Dan, great guy, just loved to visit and talk, and uh, Bob wasn't feeling well while he was there, and matter of fact, he ended up in the Philippine hospital, they ran some tests, he seemed fine, and uh, uh, just attributing everything to exhaustion. He preached, and he had several sermons during the conference, and then they had Saturday and Sunday the following to go with their missionary, whom they had been supporting 17 years they had never seen. And uh, so they came home about, almost a week earlier than we did. So they didn't give themselves much time. They total with travel in all, eight days, all they had. And so that only left them uh, four days travel. That left them four days in the Philippines, basically, four or five and a half to be there, and, and so they, they just did a quick turnaround, which is rough, especially when you're in the air 24 hours. And uh, this past Monday, I, I got a very rough phone call, and uh, Karen called me, and past, as, uh, Brother Dan, uh, the deacon, had called Karen, and he was crying because uh, his pastor, Bob Spears, had passed away, and he is 41 years old, and uh, he had... Uh, three kids, nine and down, and one on the way. And his wife's name is Cassie, and their funeral is this past Thursday. And so just pray for the Spears family and Mission Home, Missionary Baptist Church in Weewoka, Oklahoma. I talked to Dan again. I talked. She talked to him Monday, and I talked to him again Wednesday night. And, of course, Trey and I had obligations Thursday we were cooking uh, breakfast for a bunch of missionaries. We had committed to do that 
uh, about probably about 30 people, I guess, at uh, Thursday morning at the missions conference. And uh, we went. We had obligated ourselves to do that. That would have been a long way because it's way on the other side of Fort Smith. And uh, so I don't. We couldn't have made it. But I'd love to have been there. But the pastors in Oklahoma are wrapping them up. So pray for them because that is a tough, tough time. And there's been, especially with that young, three kids that young and one on the way. And you know that that's going to be a difficult road for Miss Cassie Spears. Uh, checked his Facebook account, and she had posted this morning on his account because she doesn't have one. And uh, he had just opened his, and and she thanked everybody for their support. There was many people, including Miss Paula Knight, that had commented on there. Um would you help me at this time to read a portion of God's Word? Would you all stand for this reading, just a respect for God's Word? 1 Kings chapter 21, I'll give you just a second to find it, if you haven't already. 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 17 through 20, and then skip to verse 23. 17 through 20 reads, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth shall the dogs lick Thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Skip to verse 23. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominable in the following, in following idols according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring evil upon his house. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, this time to share a portion of your word. Even though this uh, dealing with two very rough characters in your word, may we take it and learn from it and realize that your word is holy, inspired, infallible, without error, that we can rely on and trust on even in today's times. Help us to realize that there is still power in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for helping me honor the Lord and His Word. The simple title, Elijah Blast Ahab and His Family. Now, Elijah is definitely back in the saddle. And if you remember, 
uh, three weeks ago, or my goodness, a month ago now, uh, we talked about this, how that Elijah went through a great depression and how he was worried that he was the only one left in all of the land to serve God. And God gave him time and helped him through his depression. We found out that uh, even great spiritual leaders, and, and Elijah was, he was a great prophet, can battle with depression. Now, we've all battled depression in some form. Now, some people deal with depression in all sorts of different ways. Some people internalize it. Some people let it all out. And those people that let it all out are usually do better. If you internalize and hold on to discouragement, bitterness, depression, anger, any of those things is the same as cancer. It can harm you. It can hurt you if not dealt with. So anger, bitterness, depression, all of those things, and God helped him work through it. And there was a time, I mean, I mean, he waited 40 days in the wilderness there, and he finally spoke to him in the still small voice, and he said, hey, okay, it's time to get up, get back in the saddle. And sure enough, just in time, Elijah anointed his successor, which is Elisha, a different prophet, different guy, a great guy who's anointed earlier. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, so just a country boy, Elisha is. And so he's getting ready to take Elijah's place. Elijah is nearing the end of his ministry. And Elisha is one of the only two men mentioned in God's Word where they never died. The first one mentioned in the book of Genesis is Enoch. And Enoch didn't, Bible just says he is walking with God and God took him. <laughs> and so that's basically a summation of it. And Elijah, of course, had a fabulous elevator ride called a fiery chariot. And we'll look at that later on. But now we're looking at this. Now, Elijah did have an enemy. And it wasn't, he didn't choose them to be an enemy, but it's somebody who constantly kept going against God. And he was the leader of the country, Ahab, a very wicked fellow, but he wouldn't have been as wicked if it hadn't have been for his wife. The Bible mentions that uh, Jezebel stirred him up. And Jezebel was, was a wife that would instigate her husband and rile her husband up and prod her husband to do evil things. And so, folks, listen to me very closely. Now, this could work both ways. This could be a husband or a wife, but a spouse or a friend can prod you to make good choices or bad choices. It could be, it could go either way. And listen very closely to me because you may be the only godly influence in somebody's life today. How are you leading people around you? How do you lead your friends? How do you lead your spouse? Are you an uplifting, encouraging spouse? Do you pull your spouse down or do you lift them up? Jezebel, the Bible mentions over and over, would prod her husband to make evil choices. Matter of fact, I put in the introduction there the story of Naboth's vineyard. And the story is basically this. It begins in the whole chapter. I didn't, there's no way for lack of time, to read the whole chapter. But basically this, there was a vineyard right next to Ahab's castle, if you will, his place, his home. And it was a great-looking vineyard, 
And isn't it something how that when you own a truck, somebody else's truck always looks good? Or if you have a boat, somebody else's boat, well, that's a nice looking boat. Better, but basically because it's somebody else's and it looks different than yours. And he, and he wanted to have it. And he said, but it belongs to Naboth. He said, would you sell it to me? No, it's been in my family for a long time, Naboth told uh, Ahab. I'm not going to sell it. It's part of my heritage. It's part of my lineage. But guess what Jezebel said? I can take care of this. Hmm. He didn't tell Ahab, but Ahab, you know what? He acted ignorant. When all this went down and he said, well, he's dead now. You want it? Go get it. Ahab didn't ask any questions. But what Jezebel did was, in a short summary, was Jezebel said, I can take care of this. You know what? I'm going to write some letters, and I'm going to put the king's signature. Remember where he put the ring and the sealed the wax and put his signature on it, so to speak? And I'm going to say, you be false witnesses. I'm, you get some false witnesses together and say Ahab is, excuse me, Naboth is... is uh, doing abominable things and trashing the king and trashing God. And they had all kind of lies against him. And sure enough, the witnesses spoke up, said Naboth's guilty. And guess what they did? They took him outside the city and they killed him. They stoned him to death. That was the first step of evil. And God took it and, and turned this irony into judgment. And so we're going to pick up the story here. And that, you know, and I put in there, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, somebody, a lot of times when people have power, if you're not careful, when have you ever known somebody that was, uh, and I've seen it before, it doesn't always happen to everybody. But have you ever known somebody, and boy, they're just great people, good people. And then they get a position of power. A lot of times this can happen in law enforcement. It can happen in uh, when you uh, get a huge raise and a huge position in a company. I've seen it, you know, the, some of the companies I work for, I've seen somebody that would get a huge promotion over people and it seemed to change them. You know what I, I love? I love it when people get blessed by God with whether it be uh, resources, pay raises, finances, position raises, and they never change. They're the same whether they have power or position or prestige. I love it when I see people that are blessed and they get huge blessings, but they're the same as they were when they were just a regular folk back in high school or whatever. I love to see that because you know what that represents? That represents... A, a solid foundation in that person's life. It represents that they're a good character, of good morals, that they think about other people ahead of themselves. And a lot of times that can be rare. But guess what? Ahab and Jezebel had power, and they definitely were. The power had them. They didn't own the power. The power owned them. Okay? And so I'm just going to say this uh, very quickly. God is watching. There is nothing that gets by God. Let's go on a journey right here. I'm going to put uh, a finger right here in the very famous verse in Numbers 32. And, all right, got that. Numbers 32. And then all the way 
in my Bible, it's pretty thick, to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. And many of you that are familiar with these scriptures know exactly where I'm headed with this subject. Now listen, you got two evil people here. Two very mean people. Did you know it doesn't matter? I've met, it doesn't matter. I've met big people, little people, women, men. Mean people come in all shapes, forms, and sexes. It doesn't matter man, female, big, small. I've met mean people that are big, mean people that are small, mean people that are young, mean people that are old, and Ahab and Jezebel are two Mean, it doesn't matter. And folks, listen to me very carefully. If the Bible says God notices mean people, He's watching. He not only watches, you know, you can be mean to yourself, you can be mean to your family, you can be mean to uh, your friends. You, you, eventually, if you stay mean, you ain't going to have a whole lot, except people are just scared of you and won't leave because you're afraid you'll do whatever if, you, if they leave you and stop being your friend. But uh, it doesn't take long. But the Bible says in uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 20, or chapter 32, and verse 23. Numbers 32 and 23. It says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin will always, always, always find you out. And then in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, there is a huge, huge prophecy, a bold statement by God. In Galatians 6, listen to me very closely, folks. Be not deceived. In other words, you want that in common country? Don't be fooled. God is not mocked. For what? Hmm? Soever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, he's going to reap of the flesh corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he'll reap life everlasting. That very first verse, if you compare Numbers thirty-two twenty-three to this right here. Number one, it says, be sure your sin will find you out. Number two, don't, it says, be not deceived. The way I would say it is, don't be fooled. You cannot fool God. There is a process called a reaping process. And folks, whatever seed, did you know this? Did you know this always in everybody in this part of the Arkansas and Delta area depend on this law? They put seed in the ground and they expect and pray that it'll come up. But folks, let me ask you this. Have you ever done something and prayed the seed would not come up? I have. I've done stuff in my life and prayed, God, please don't let it come up. You sow some seed. You've heard people say, oh, they're just sowing some wild oats. Yeah, that's true. But did you know those things come up? 
They do. If you play around with sin, it is going to produce fruit. It's going to come up. It's going to have a reaping process. And God says, don't be fooled. You say, and it's happened time again. You say, God helps me. God will help rescue. No, He will help rescue you by walking with you through the storm, through the reaping process. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, nowhere does it say you can sow wild oats and they won't come up. Nowhere. They will. They will. Be sure your sin will find you out. God is not mocked. You, We cannot mock God. God, I got away with it. God, I got away with it. No, we don't. We don't get away with it. God is watching. God is in. And you say, and it could happen. And matter of fact, Ahab did pray. And he did not. He basically, in a minute... We're going to get to the next point, and he's going to reap what he sowed, and then he says, I'm going to not let the full effect land on him. I'm going to let it land later on the rest of his family. So God God kind of gave him maybe mercy even in his judgment, in a sense. So there are some things that God hates. Turn to... Back up now to, in my Bible, it's kind of the middle. In Proverbs chapter 6, there are some things that God hates. And folks, as I look at this, I, hopefully I did a good enough job explaining to you what Ahab and Jezebel did. Lying, stealing, and killing somebody in order to have a vineyard, a garden, a piece of property... What did they do? And according to Proverbs 6, verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to Him. A proud look, they were guilty. A lying tongue, guilty. Hands that shed innocent blood, guilty. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, she came up with a plan, guilty. Wicked, uh, uh, feet that be swift and running to mischief, Ahab, guilty, a false witness that speaketh lies, Jezebel had them lined up, guilty, and he that soweth discord among the brethren, they're both guilty. They were guilty of all of these things that God hates. Wow. No wonder that what happens next, and I was, as I was studying and preparing this, I don't know why God brought this thought to my mind, Brother Dennis, but I thought, and uh, back in the 70s, there was some, some movies that really shouldn't see, but I remember this famous commercial in line from the advertisement from a Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie. And uh, Clint Eastwood said this famous line. Matter of fact, and I remember whenever I was in elementary school, they even made a song out of it, a country and western song, and it had this line in it, Go ahead, punk. And people 40 and under may not remember this. But go ahead, punk, make my day. And basically, whenever all that went down, and God saw it happening, and God let them make their choices, and basically God says, okay, Elijah, and if you, and I just read you the Word of God, and what did it say? The Word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, go, I, man, God is upset. 
God is upset. And he, basically he says, Elijah, I want you to go down there to, and take a figurative barrel, gun barrel, point it at them and say, Jezebel and Ahab, go ahead, make my day. Basically, he said this to both of them, y'all are both going to die. And you know what? They drug Naboth outside the city, and they stoned him there. And guess what? You know, I've described stoning to you before. They don't stone you with this washed rock pebble that you find out over here in our parking lot. They don't stone with washed rock pebbles. They stone with rocks this big and bigger. And it says that as they were stoning him, the blood was running wherever it was. It was outside the city there in Jezreel and there in Samaria. And uh, and guess what? He said, Ahab, where his blood fell, your blood is also going to fall. And he looked at Jezebel and he said, you know what? The wall of Jezreel, you know it. You're going to die, and the dogs are going to eat you up at the base of that wall. And message, message delivered, see you later. Well, it all happened. Ahab, you're going to die. And if you open your Bible back up to 1 Kings, just take a quick peek at this. In 1 Kings chapter 22. It wasn't long after the message was delivered that uh, we have the last little war between Israel and Syria. And uh, so Ahab goes out into the battle in First Kings 22 and verse 34. They're in the middle of the battle. Middle, I mean, this is war. Some of you have seen the movie Braveheart and stuff like that. Last Samurai, I mean, hatchets and arrows flying everywhere, swords, it's not pretty. You know, the movie Braveheart, it, just, it was bloody, it was gory, it was, but it, it's the way it really happened. And uh, the Bible says in verse 34, I'm in 1 Kings 22, 34, a certain man drew a bow at venture. I'm reading now the King James Version, which basically means this. This fellow said, the bad guys are over there. And that arrow went up and was just flying by chance. We know it wasn't by chance. And smote the king of Israel, Ahab, between the joints of the harness, which means where his armor buckled, where there was a gap right there. And that arrow went right in the very between, no, where there's no protection. And uh, between the joints and the harness, wherefore he turned to the driver of the chariot and said, Turn your hand, carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed in his chariot against the Syrians, and he died that evening, and the blood ran out of the wound in the midst of the chariot. Okay? And uh, if you keep reading, it says, And there went out a proclamation throughout the host of the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to a city... Every man to his own country. Basically, they called a halt to everything. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Wait a second. Well, what about the prophecy? Well, keep reading. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, 
and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord which he spake. And his blood ran out when they washed the chariot according to the word of the Lord. The dogs licked up the blood in the same exact manner and spot where they licked up outside the city. And Ahab slept with his fathers. Well, let's get on to Jezebel. You're going to die. And uh, you have to... Now, she lives after Ahab's death a ways. And if you just keep reading in the Hebrew Bible, First and Second Kings are all one book. And uh, so just keep going in Second Kings and go all the way to chapter 9. God uses a man by the name of Jehu. And in 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 31, Jehu comes riding into town, and he entered in at the gate, and uh, and so she's all getting ready to make a mockery of it, painted her face in verse 30, and uh, she said, had Zimri, she makes a sarcastic remark to him and says, had Zimri peace who slew his master? And basically aimed as a sarcastic remark to Jehu. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on the Lord's, who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs and he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down out of the window, out, out of the balcony, every which. And uh, some of her blood sprinkled on the wall and on the horses and he trod her underfoot, basically ran her over. And so they said, oh, she's dead. So they went in and had a, a fellowship party. And they went in and said, did eat and drink? And said, well, let's go back and see this cursed woman and bury her because she is, by the way, a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but guess what? They found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. And notice verse 36, wherefore they came again and told him, and he says, this is the word of the Lord, which he spake by the servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, in the portion of Jezreel shall the dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. I've heard many a sermon on, why, why did the dogs eat everything but her skull, her hands, and her feet? Well... Whether or not that was just the too bony to eat and they carried away the limbs or whatever, but it was the skull that thought every wicked imagination, every wicked thing she ever did. And it was the feet that took her to every wicked place that she went into. And it was those hands that carried about every wicked work that that woman did. And I'm sure there could be a lot of other types or little similes that we could come up with to say, why did the dogs leave those things? But all I know is this, both Ahab and Jezebel did not get away with it. Now, folks, the Bible has a great verse in it. It says this, that if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I'm asking you, basically we're all sinners. We've all messed up before the Lord. We've all done things wrong. We've all done things and said things that we shouldn't do and say. And we can have forgiveness for them. It doesn't mean we get away with it. And sure, did you know a lot of times that you can sin and the only person that's hurt and say, well, the only person that's hurting is me and it's my body and I can do with it what I want to. But if you're saved, it's, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Your life belongs to the Lord. And did you know this, that even if you hurt your, only yourself in your sin and your choices, did you know this, that it does still reflect on your family? It does still reflect on the Lord. If you say, I love Jesus, and then we do something we shouldn't do, it brings shame on the Lord and His work. And so God wants us to turn to Him and say, you know what, I do make mistakes and I do mess up, and that's why I need the Lord more than ever. More than ever. So as we prepare for Him hymn invitation, I just want you to think, Right now, I, do, do I need revival? Do I need to get my life back on the right track? Do I need to refocus? Do I need to ask God, Lord, help me? I have been drifting. I've gotten my eyes off of you. I don't pray and read my Bible like I should. And when you do that, it's like starving yourself. We get weak. And, we, and you can lose sight of what's right and wrong. And Ahab and Jezebel definitely did not know right from wrong. Father, I just thank you so very much for this time together. Help us to take your word and cherish it and take it to heart. Please help our church to experience and begin already experiencing revival even before our services begin. Dear Lord, help us to focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen.